Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is sponsored by Farshad Namdar, uh, Lilui Nishmat, his father, David ben Rachamim, Vegam Nishmat as well, David ben Yehezkel, Yitzhak ben Reuven. Ruach Hanaitinichenam, Began Eden, amongst all the uh, souls in, uh, in Gan Eden. As well, sponsored by Esther Alan Hadad. Uh, dedicated loving memory of their beloved daughter Mona Daniela Hadar, Alea Shalom, Linushmat Menuhabat Esther. In loving memory of Charlie Ajmi, Alea Shalom, Linushmat Shaub and Nazira, sponsored by the Ajmi family, um, as well sponsored by Stephen Rapport in honor of Eliao Levi, a talented Hazan and Bal Koreh. As well, in loving memory of David Barmoha, Linushmat David Men Saada, by his wife Sylvia, children Yigal, Asherani. Yossi Nir and Shiran and family. And as well, uh, we have a, uh, a sponsor by David E. Ash in honor of you uh, and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. Um, and especially yesterday, uh, we had in the synagogue something very beautiful. We want to say again, thank you to Shai Mahani for being the spearhead uh, for that event and to David Ash for uh, sponsoring that. We had 26 people come to donate blood yesterday. Uh, I think four people gave two times, but what a beautiful number, 26. Literally, they are, uh, uh, they are uh, agents of life, like Boreo Olam himself. Hazaku uh, Baruch to everyone that was involved, and Be'ezrat Hashem, we're going to do it again soon. Um, let us begin. Our parasha begins by telling us, Atem Nitzavim, you are standing, kulchem, you are standing, all of you today. Rashechem, shiftechem, you're the heads, the tribes, um, the, what's it called, the shotrechem, the, the police, you know, call him, every man, every person in the Bnei Israel. Tapechem, your children, unishechem, and your, and your wives, right? And it's interesting, because in labeling and in giving us all of these different categories and uh, compartmentalized parts of Am Yisrael, one could have just said, Atem Nitzavim, Kol B'nai Yisrael. Rashechem, Shiftechem, Shotrechem, you know, Kol Ish Yisrael, Tapechem, Nishechem. All of it means various parts of the Jewish people. Why did we need to describe all the various uh, parts of Am Yisrael if we meant everybody. That's number one. The second thing is, it's kind of like, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Mishiberach. You have the Mishiberach, and they say, you know, the guy goes up, he gives a, a $101 to the Beit Knesset. And his father, his mother, his wife, his kids, his family, guy goes around the whole shul, he milks his 101 for 101 separate lehayes. Okay? After he does everybody in the shul, what does he turn to you and say? I want to tell the guy, he did that already. <laughs> you got everybody. <laughs> we don't need to do that, right? Or vice versa. If you're going to say, you don't need to point at everyone individually. All right? So what are we trying to say over here in this pasuk, you know, to divide and conquer all the different parts and then say, 
That's question number one. I'm going to give you now question number two. What was this gathering at Tem Nitzavim that Moshe is talking about? When he gathered all the Jewish people together, what was the purpose of this big gathering? To put you through this berit, this covenant, that Hashem is koret imachem ayom. That Hashem is cutting with you today. That's a very interesting word. We actually say koret haberit. When do we say that? When we do the Brit Milah. We say koret haberit. That God, He enacted a covenant with the Jewish people. But the word koret berit, which means that someone makes a covenant, it's a strange word. Because the word koret is the same word as karet. Karet means someone who's cut off from life. Someone who dies young without children. He's completely like a, his page is torn out of the book of life. Not only that, in the world to come, when the person comes to Gan Eden, there's no Gan Eden, there's no even Gehenam. The person who experiences this terrible uh, tragedy, the punishment of karet, he's torn off, the person stops existing. So it's a strange language to use that God is koret berit, that he's tearing the covenant. What is, what is that implication, right? He, you should say that he's swearing a covenant. That's, you know, so what is this word, koret berit, okay? Lastly, it says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu le'ovrecha be'brit to put you through this covenant with God u'be'alato and in its curses. We just read, unfortunately, many of the curses that we talked about last week. The, you know, if a person doesn't do the right things. So the covenant between the Jewish people and God is that God says, if you do yours, I promise you I'll do mine. I'm going to grant you all the berachot in the Torah. Your nation will be a light unto the nations. You'll experience all sorts of berachot in Parnassah with children. You'll be given the land of Israel. There'll be a Beit HaMikdash. All the great berachot in the Torah. But there's something here which is very, very strange. Okay? And I think this is strange. To give you the brit with God. And the curses. What happened to the blessings? To give you the covenant and its curses, it should be the covenant and its blessings and its curses. The blessings if you do the right thing, and unfortunately the curses if you do uh, the wrong thing. So my friends, the answer to all these questions is really one, and it really shifts this answer. It shifts our understanding of what's going on through the process of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur as well. You know, Unfortunately, much of our Jewish education is created, is cemented in our minds, in our subconscious, when we are very young. And for many of us, although we wind up learning, you know, many, many, many new Jewish laws, ideas over time, some of the core structure, the furniture of the Jewish mind, to borrow a term from Paul Johnson, Right? I think it was Paul Johnson. It might have been uh, one of the presidents of the United States. It might have been uh, the, uh, Adams. But either way, to, the furniture of the Jewish mind is set up sometimes in a very juvenile way. And although we've learned many uh, principles on top of that, we've never bothered to go back and revisit the initial structure. Now, psychologists point out, point to this phenomenon 
and they describe this phenomenon as being something which underscores the importance of a healthy childhood. People who have a very unhealthy childhood, oftentimes, even if they have a very healthy, blessed adulthood, you know, but turbulence during that childhood, uh, a broken family dynamic during that childhood, even if the guy later on, poverty during childhood sometimes. So a person has great adulthood, they have fantastic teenage years, but the seminal ages of being a child create super important lasting uh, impacts on the way a person lives. In the expression of the Gemara, the Gemara calls this Girsa Diyankuta, which means the way that you speak, the reading, the Nusach, the way that you interpret things of a child. Let me explain what this means. Let's imagine for one second, a person sees a terrible marriage growing up. They see their parents all the time cursing at each other, screaming at one another, you know, always being selfish. This child is liable to develop the girsa, the yankuta. He develops an interpretation of what marriage is based on what he saw as a child. That's what he's learned. So eventually, when he grows up, he understands that what he's looking for in a marriage is a dysfunctional partner. Now, it might be that this child sees many marriages after that. He sees many, but he thinks these people are crazy. Because I know what a real marriage looks like. It's the one that I saw at home. I know how a father is supposed to relate to their son or daughter, or how a mother is supposed to relate to their son or daughter, because I saw that at home. I know what the relationship a person has with their money or with success, because I saw that at home. My father praised me when I made money. He never praised me when I went to shul. My father praised me when I came home after uh, you know, you know, scoring you know, on the basketball court or on the baseball field, but he never said anything to me about being nice to my friends. So I created a value system at that crucial time which becomes very difficult to shake. My friends, the Jewish value system and uh, um, core furniture, if you will, is also sometimes set up at a very young age. And many of us, we understand the concept of reward and punishment from God from a very young and juvenile perspective. We imagine God in heaven having a giant purse of golden coins, that if you make him happy, he throws some money your way. And God is sitting there in Shamaim, and if you prayed to him enough times, and you made him happy, he says to this beautiful girl, he's like, his number is 527, and he gives the number, you know, for this beautiful girl, for you for to, to get a shiduch. Right? We think in a very simplistic way of the nature of reward and punishment. And therefore, uh, we, uh, we experience as well Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur from a very incorrect place. But I'd like to perhaps change the message just a little bit. You know why Bore Olam doesn't talk about the blessings of the covenant and he only talks about the curses? My friends, because the blessing is the covenant. The Pasuk says, we say it every Shabbat, and you who cleave to God, you who stick to God, today all of you, 
are alive and well. The cleaving to God, which produces life, is not a reward. It's a function of the fact that you are connected to the source of life. Baruch Atah Amonai, we know God is the makor, is the source of all blessing. So if you want blessing, you don't have to make God happy. So God therefore gives you a reward. He pays you because you made him happy like you're some sort of God therapist. Right? That's not what goes on. It's that if you come close to Borei Olam, you experience his blessings because that's the source of all blessings. Et ha'im hi l'machazikim ba. The Torah, the covenant with God is a tree of life by virtue of the fact that you're holding on to it. I always love this idea. Normally, where would the tree of life be giving its blessings from? If you eat from its fruit, correct? Etz chaim hi leochlim mimena. To the ones that eat its fruit. No! In the simple understanding, the life of the tree of life comes by the fruits uh, that grow from it. You detach the fruit, you eat the fruit. There is no detached beracha from God. It's not that he sent you money. It's the fact that you're holding on. That is the process of life that a person gets. And therefore, we begin to understand why when the Torah talks about its covenant, it says God is here to give you a covenant with him. He doesn't talk about the blessings. Because the blessing is the covenant of being close with him in and of itself. That brings you everything that you need. And therefore, my friends, when we look at the berit, the covenant of God, the language he uses is koret, is that which is ripped off. A person who gets karet has done a, a, a crime, a sin, that's so terrible that if he doesn't do teshuvah from it, that karet is, he has torn himself off of God. It's like a guy sitting in a bed. Imagine a guy. He's sitting in the hospital. He's on oxygen. All of a sudden, he can't breathe. He starts pushing the button for the nurse. He's pushing the button. He's pushing the button. The nurse comes running in. He's like making the motions. He can't breathe. And the nurse is saying to him, Why, idiot, why are you squeezing the oxygen tube? The guy is literally in his fist. He's squeezing the oxygen tube and complaining that he can't breathe. She shows him. Let go. The guy lets go. And all of a sudden, Oh, Sometimes we're praying to God, Asher, please send me this, send me that, send me this, send me that. We're not understanding. Hashem's like, I'm trying to send it to you. You're holding the stinking tube. Let go of the tube. Open your fist. When we're grabbing all of the things that this world has to offer sometimes, we don't realize that in that process, we also are grabbing and squeezing our own lifeline to blessing and to life itself. So when we talk about the process of Teshuvah, the idea on Rosh Hashanah of doing Teshuvah is not there to give you a reward for life. Rather, it's to take away the things, the mehitzot, the divisions that sin creates between us and life. Therefore, the Pasuk says, it uses the language of Koret. Karet means a person has torn themselves from the source of life. Koret Birit is God asking you to tear yourself away from this world and connect yourself to His Berit. And that, my friends, sometimes requires a real tearing away. 
You're in the community and everything, everybody defines success by your address. They define success by the car that you drive. They define success by the vacations you go on. It's not easy to rewrite the script and to think, no, that's not what success is. Success is having a wholesome family, is raising healthy children. And you know what? Sometimes the expense of having wholesome, healthy children, having a good marriage, is spending less time at work. And yes, spending less time at work might actually result in you having put in less hours towards me. But you know what? It depends on you. How do you define your success? God says, tear yourself away. Look at yourself differently. That is the covenant that I have with you. My friends, I think that's why the Torah goes through such a difficult time in expressing each of the different parts of Am Yisrael. Rashechem, the heads. Shiftechem, the entire tribe. Okay? Shotrechem, uh, the enforcers. Tapechem, nishechem. What the Pasuk is asking us, it's telling us, everybody comes to this process, to this world, with an ability to be able to make themselves part of a much bigger, a much more beautiful, a much holier story. Where you sit on that totem pole, are you a child? Okay? Are you someone who has less mitzvot, more mitzvot? Are you a person who's a shorter? Are you a person who's a rosh, who's a leader? All of those things are directly dependent on how much a person understands that they need to tear themselves away from havle hazeman, from the simple silliness of the times. We're living in a very interesting generation now that is trying to rewrite all of the norms. Anything that was once upon a time understood, we are rewriting uh, those norms today. And it's very, it's very easy and it's very simple. It's very, you know, happens almost without us noticing that if we're not vigilant to make sure that we are checking ourselves and reminding ourselves of what the Torah says, that we get swept away by what is going on in the world around us. You have to accept this, you have to accept that, you have to believe this, you have to believe that. This idea of uh, subjective truths that everyone is allowed to have their own truth and have their own understanding. I mean, it's an interesting thing. You know, it's an interesting thing that you find people who are the biggest warriors when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, Israel and all the crimes that Israel is doing against the Palestinians. Have you heard one word from the squad about summary executions of the Taliban going on in Afghanistan now? Have we heard one word from AOC? One word? No, because, because the, the perpetrators are not Jewish. They're not white. I mean, understand that the society we live in today, it just makes up its own rules as it goes. What's right? What's wrong? You have to tear yourself away from that. And if you find that your thinking has become skewed, recognize, what am I listening to? Which radio stations? Which newspapers am I buying? What's going on that a, uh, an understanding and a moral compass of three and a half thousand years is suddenly kind of skewing a little bit to the right or to the left? What's happening here? Okay? That is, I think, what the Pasuk means when it talks to us about being Koret Berit. My friends, I wish 
And I pray for each and every one of us to have in the lead up to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur an opportunity to check ourselves and recognize, are we attached to God? Yes, worry about your sins, but don't worry, don't get mired in them. Ask yourself, am I distant or am I close? Am I where I want to be? And when a person realizes that, that in and of itself is the beginning of the process of tearing them, tearing themselves away from the negative practices, from the negative thoughts that are impacting the way that they're living their lives. May God allow us and bless us to come close to Him in every which way and to merit to be written in the book of life. Be'ezrat Hashem, Hayim, Tovim, Ushalom. Rabbi Hananiah ben Akasha Omer.